You are listening to a message that was given at Living Word Chapel, Oracle, Arizona. It is our hope and prayer that God will use this message to speak to you and enrich your life. For more information, visit lwcoracle.org. Well, today you're not going to hear any fake news. You're going to hear the good news. Amen? Everybody put up seven fingers because I don't think you guys did it with the video. This represents seven weeks and we're counting down to November 4th. You better write it down because I don't want you to be the only one sitting in this building when everybody else is going to be out in the community. So we're not going to meet in the walls of this building on November 4th. We're uh, going to join together for a community outreach, and uh, it's being planned. It's, uh, I'm pretty excited. I don't know all the details, but Pastor James will be sharing those details with you as we get closer to the date. Today, we're beginning week two in our series as we journey together to read through the New Testament in 40 days. And how are you guys doing? I started late on it, so I'm only about halfway through Luke. But if you started Sunday, last Sunday, you should be starting the book of Acts today. And so we're going to be reading through the book of Acts. And if you remember from last Sunday, uh, Acts is uh, the second part of a historical record that was given by Dr. Luke to an unknown individual named Theophilus. Now, Luke addresses him as most excellent Theophilus, and that suggests that he was a person of rank, probably a Roman official, but the Bible doesn't really say. Also, as you read through the book of Acts, you're going to find that it's a book of action, Pastor James mentioned how Mark is action, you know, it's, it's to the Romans and they like action. Well, I'm probably like, maybe I have some Roman in me, I don't know. I like action too. And so the book of Acts is just like one thing right after the other and you see just a lot of action in it. And Luke continues his uh, story telling us the story of Jesus, the disciples, and the early church from the days right immediately following the crucifixion. And so this morning, I'd like to share a portion of that story. But before I do, let's open with prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Father, I just thank you for the opportunity to share that word. And I just ask that your Holy Spirit would teach us today, that he would reveal Christ through this message as we hear. And Father, that our lives would be transformed uh, by the, the word of God as we apply it to our lives. We just thank you for this day. Thank you for uh, your love and your provision for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh Uh-oh, forgot to open my water. There we go. So the disciples went to Galilee, to the place on the mountain where Jesus first selected them to be his disciples. Suddenly, Jesus appeared to them, and they worshipped him. He said, I give you the authority to preach. Go to all the nations and make disciples. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them what I taught you. And remember, I am with you always. 
Well, for 40 days after Jesus rose from the dead, he appeared to his disciples and he spent time teaching them things about the kingdom of God. He appeared to other people as well. And one time he appeared to a crowd of over 500 people. But after this time, Jesus led his disciples up to the Mount of Olives. And there he told them, stay in Jerusalem. Don't leave Jerusalem until you receive the promise from the Father. John baptized with water. But now you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. The disciples asked, Lord, is this the time when you're going to make Israel a kingdom again? Jesus said, only the Father knows when that time will be. In the meantime, spread the good news that people can have forgiveness of sins. But wait in Jerusalem until you receive the Holy Spirit. He will give you power to share this good news. Start in Jerusalem. And then take it to the nation. Don't forget to include Samaria. And finally, go to the entire world. After this, Jesus blessed them. And as he was blessing them, suddenly he was lifted up into heaven. And he disappeared into a cloud. And the disciples stood there looking up, straining to see him. Immediately, Two men dressed in white appeared next to them, and they said, Men of Galilee, why are you standing here looking up into the sky? You saw Jesus go. He'll come back in the same way. Well, the disciples were overjoyed. Their, their hearts were overflowing, and they went back into Jerusalem, and they met up with the other believers. And for 10 days, they waited in the upper room, both men and women, Mary, the mother of Jesus, was there, as were his brothers, and they were all of one mind, and they spent this time in prayer. On the day of Pentecost, while they were praying in the upper room, suddenly they heard this loud noise. It sounded like a, a violent storm coming down from heaven, and it filled the room where they were praying. They saw what looked like fire, and it separated, and it, it settled on each one. And instantly they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in foreign languages. When the people of the city heard about it, they came running to see what was going on. And among them were many Jews from different countries who spoke different languages. They were in uh, Jerusalem for the Passover and, and they heard the, the apostles and those with them speaking in various languages, including the native languages of everybody in the crowd. Some of the people said, how can this be? These men are from Galilee. How, they don't know our language, yet we hear them speaking in our native tongue. Others said, oh, they're just drunk. Well, Peter stood up in front of them all and he said, these men aren't drunk. This is what the prophets of old talked about when they said that God would pour out his spirit upon common man. You saw the miracles of Jesus. Still, you nailed him to the cross. You crucified him. You put him in the grave. But we are witnesses that God has raised him from the dead. And Jesus is alive. And he sits at the right hand of the Father. And he has sent us his Holy Spirit. 
That's what you're seeing. Understand what I'm saying. You crucified Jesus. But God has exalted him and made him Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they said, what you're saying is true. But what can we do? Peter said, repent of your sins. Turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That day, the apostles baptized everyone that received the message, and 3,000 were added to the church. Now, what I love best about this story is that it's true. It's well-documented. It's historically accurate. And my key thought as I was preparing this message comes from Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. In your outline, circle the words that I've boldened, the power and witness. A witness is somebody who tells what they have seen, what they have experienced firsthand. And the power that it's speaking of here comes from the Greek word dunamis. Now, the word dunamis refers to strength, power, or ability. And from this root, we get our English words dynamite, dynamo, and dynamic. And so we see that this power is more than just any old power. It's miraculous power. According to Thayer's Greek lexicon, it can also refer to a moral power or an excellence of soul. But perhaps most importantly, it can refer to inherent power. You know, that power that resides in something just by the virtue of its nature. Jesus told the Sadducees, your mistake is that you don't know the scriptures and you don't know the power of God. So in other words, God has inherent power residing within himself. He is all-powerful, omnipotent, almighty God, and dunamis is part of his nature. Somebody shout amen, because this is good news. This is good news because it means that we don't have to live our life in our own ability, by our own strength, but we can depend on God's power that works mightily within us. You see, Jesus didn't leave us as orphans to try to figure out life on our own. He said, I will send, I will ask the Father and he will give you the Holy Spirit, another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads you into all truth. Now, as we read through the Bible, we see that God's Spirit and God's Word, they work in union together. We see this in creation when God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless. It was empty, and darkness was upon the deep waters. 
we see that the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. And God said, let there be light. So in these three verses, we see the triune God. We see God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, and we see God the Word. John tells us, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. And all things were created by Him and for Him. Next, we see that the Holy Spirit was working in Jesus' life and led Him to teach and to preach and speak God's Word. Jesus, quoting Isaiah, said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to bring good news. And then finally, we see the Holy Spirit instrumental in the writing of the Bible. As men of God were, were inspired or carried along by the Holy Spirit as they wrote down this Spirit-empowered message. And so this morning, I want to share four ways that the Holy Spirit-empowered message impacts our lives. The first way we see the Spirit-empowered message impact us is that the message has the power to cleanse our lives. You know, as we walk on this earth, our feet get dirty. We need to clean our feet. You know, difficult circumstances, messy relationships, the vicissitudes of life sometimes have a way of getting the best of us. And those old patterns of behavior, they want to rise up and surface. Anybody who has ever stubbed your pinky toe or smashed your thumb knows what I'm talking about. Those old patterns of behavior that rise up within us. And the Word of God has the power to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Jesus said to his disciples, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Now he said this in context of us remaining in him, speaking of a branch that has to remain into a vine in order to produce fruit. Whenever you cut off a branch from the vine, it begins to wither and die. Jesus also talked about this pruning. And when you prune a branch, you cut off all the dead limbs, all those unfruitful places, the, the leaves that, that are brown and dry, and it makes way for new growth to flourish. Now, the branch doesn't prune itself. I've never seen my fruit trees with shears pruning themselves. Jesus prunes us. He cleanses us by his word. The book of Hebrews describes the, the power of the word of God and the role to cleanse us. In Hebrews chapter 4, we read, For the word of God is alive and powerful. It's sharper than the, the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. And so we see that the Word of God doesn't just do a surface cleaning, but it penetrates right to our core, right to our very structure, our bones, our marrow. It separates flesh from spirit. It does that true work, that true cleansing. 
It's the truth of God that cuts through all those dark areas in our life of self-rule and independent living that prohibit us from walking according to the Holy Spirit. Joseph Hellerman is professor at New, uh, professor of New Testament language at Talbot uh, School of Theology, and he recounts his personal experience with the powerful Word of God. He says, as a young student in college, I had a heart-wrenching search for God and truth through several Eastern religions. Not finding what I was searching for, I turned to Christianity as a last resort. I got involved in a church that suggested that I read the Bible. Now, that's a good idea. I told them, I didn't believe the Bible was the Word of God. And although, as an English major in college, I respected it as a key literary work in the Western historical heritage, however, I told them that I would read it with an open mind. Sitting on the beach, I began to read the Gospel of Matthew. It says I was about two-thirds of the way through it when the Holy Spirit convicted me and showed me that the book is true. I was born again sitting there on the beach with only the Bible and the witness of the Holy Spirit. So we see that the, the Word of God has the power to transform our lives. And that's our second point. The message has the power to transform us. We clearly see this transformation that took place in the disciples. We read how after Jesus was betrayed and arrested, that the disciples went into hiding. Peter followed behind as the soldiers took, him, uh, took Jesus away, and yet he denied having any affiliation with him when he was exposed as one of his followers. Only John was present at the crucifixion, and he accompanied Mary, Jesus' mother. But after the empowering of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, we see Peter boldly stand up in front of the crowd and proclaim the message of salvation through Christ. We no longer see him cowardly hiding and denying, but we see and outwardly and unashamedly explaining the events of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. That day after hearing the message, 3,000 people repented and were added to the church. And they, they said in the passage that Peter's words pierced our heart. But we know that it wasn't Peter's ability or his talent he was a fisherman. He wasn't an orator. It was the work of the Holy Spirit that was stirring in the hearts of those that heard the message. And the power and Spirit-empowered message that cuts deep and separates spirit from soul caused them to realize they needed a Savior. And, and 3,000, they repented. Now, this transforming power is available to us as well. We're transformed by the renewing of our mind. And our mind is renewed as we read the Word of God. 
Now, it's not enough just to read the word. We have to believe it and obey it. You see, the mind is the control center of our soul. All of our actions, all of our thoughts, all of our emotions are controlled by it. And so as we renew our mind, and by believing and obeying the Word of God, our lives reflect wholeness, stability. We experience this transformation. Point number three, the third way that the Spirit-empowered message impacts our life is the message has the power to reveal Christ. As Jesus spoke to his disciples and he explained the promise of the Holy Spirit, he said it was in his best interest that he would be crucified and leave this world. He said, if I go away, then I will send the Holy Spirit. John said, Jesus said, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will disclose to you what is to come. Jesus said that he would give us another advocate who would be with us forever. The Amplified version of the Bible says it this way. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, comforter, advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener, standby, to be with you forever. See, the Holy Spirit is the one that reveals the message of Christ to us. He enlightens and removes the veil from our eyes so that we can see the truth clearly. He comforts our hearts with this truth, the truth that, about our uh, position and, and our identity in Christ. This enables us to live for the purpose which we were created. We live and we grow in Christ through the revelation of the Holy Spirit. Point number four. The message empowers the believers to be ministers of reconciliation. And the Holy Spirit empowers us to communicate this message with others. Paul said in 1 Corinthians, When we tell you these things, we do not use words that come by human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given by, to us by the Holy Spirit using the Spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. But people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's Spirit. On the day of Jesus' resurrection, two of his followers, they left Jerusalem and they started walking along the road to a village called Emmaus. And as they walked along, they were just chatting with one another about all the events that had taken place over the, the last few days. Suddenly, Jesus appeared and he began walking alongside. And he said, what are you guys talking about? They didn't recognize who it was. 
And so they just engaged him in conversation and continued to explain everything that had happened. Then Jesus said to them, you foolish people. Have you ever had Jesus talk to you and just say, you foolish person? I know I have. You find it so hard to believe all the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? And then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses, all the way up through the prophets, and he explained all the scriptures and the things concerning himself. Jesus spent that evening explaining the scriptures how they broadcast God's plan of redemption. You know, from Genesis all the way through to the maps, it's God's redeeming revelation that redemption comes through Christ alone. Suddenly, their eyes were opened. They recognized who Jesus was, and suddenly, he was gone. They said, then our hearts burn within us as he talked to us on the road and explained the scriptures to us. So in this passage, we see the dynamic of Jesus communicating the Spirit-empowered message with others. It's the Holy Spirit, the Word. They're the ones that do the work. You know, our role in it is just to be a willing vessel, to be a conduit, as it were. When I was 13 or 14, I don't remember when it was, my cousin Bud was taking a, a small engines repair class in high school. I think it was part of the automotive thing. But for some reason, he had this go-kart engine in his bedroom. And he told me to grab onto the spark plug wire. And so I did. And he pulled the handle, and I don't know if you've ever done that. I don't suggest it. I couldn't let go of it. I get that image every time I think about the Holy Spirit empowering us and flowing through us as a conduit. It's not our ability, not our power, but it's the power of God that flows through us. And that's what changes people's lives as we share our, the simple story of how God has changed our lives. You know, I was eight years old when I accepted Christ. First service, I got all choked up, and I feel it happening again, so I'm going to slow down a little bit. I was eight years old, and I went to church with my grandparents. I was sitting, they just had the two aisles in the Baptist church here in Oracle at that time, and it was over on... What would that be? Your left, about the middle, three or four rows back. I was sitting out on the end, and my grandparent, or actually, I think my grandfather, it was me, and then my grandmother. And at the end, you know, they were singing, Just As I Am, without one plea. You know, immediately, at eight years old, the Holy Spirit opened my eyes, and I realized that I was the worst of sinners. Now, for eight years, I don't know how much I could have gotten into, but I wasn't saved, and so that made me the worst of sinners. And so I 
leaped up out of the chair and started down the, the aisle, and I don't know if my grandparents tried to reach for me and pull me back into the pew, but I made it up to the front, and I gave my life to Jesus. From that day on, the Holy Spirit has lived inside me. See, the Holy Spirit resides in each of us from the very moment that we place our trust in Christ. You know, we often forget that. We read the stories how Jesus walked on this earth, and, and that's, I, I'm awestruck by the gospel that, that Jesus, who is God, came to this earth as a man. He walked and, and faced the same things that we face every day. He lived a sinless life, and he gave his life so that we can put our trust in him, and he removes our sin and gives us eternal life. That's just so amazing to me. But we often forget that the Holy Spirit, who is the third person of the Trinity, is resident in the earth today, right now. He's living within us. And he wants us to yield to him, to walk according to the Word of God, because the Holy Spirit reveals Christ, who is the Word of God. He wants to empower us. And so we see the Spirit and the Word working in our lives to transform us. Well, another example of communicating the message to other people is when Philip spoke to the Ethiopian official. This was the treasurer of of the queen of Ethiopia that he worked for. And uh, he had been in Jerusalem to celebrate Passover and, and the Pentecost. And he was on his way back home. He was riding in his chariot. And he was reading from the book of Isaiah. And as he's riding along, the Holy Spirit speaks to Philip. And says, get close to the chariot. So Philip runs up next to the chariot and says, hey, hey, can can you understand what you're, what you're reading? The Ethiopian stops the chariot and says, No, I need somebody to explain it to me. And so Philip climbed up into the chariot right there with the Ethiopian and beginning in Isaiah, right where he was reading, he began to explain Jesus and the forgiveness of sins. The Ethiopian gave his life to Christ. He repented. And as they were Riding along, they saw a pool of water. And so they got down into the water, and, and Philip baptized the man. And as he came up out of the water, suddenly the Holy Spirit snatched Philip away. And next time we see Philip, he's 20 miles north. And he continues on into Samaria, preaching the good news. And so this passage just encourages us to be ready to share the message. Even to those who are, might seem least likely to accept it. Nobody could have known that just as I am as a closing song would touch, a, <laughs> would, would touch an eight-year-old in such a way that changed my life forever. All of us have the Holy Spirit living within us from the very moment that we accept Christ.
But we see that in the book of Acts, there are other times when there's an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, when the believers are filled on special occasions. And these Holy Spirit power outpourings enable the believers to experience God personally, to be bold witnesses of His redeeming grace through Jesus Christ. All of us are called to go into all the world and preach the good news. You don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to go to seminary to share the story of how God has changed your life. And that's what it is. The, the gospel is so simple that an eight-year-old can understand it and repent and, and accept it. But it's also so deep that theologians are still debating it. God just wants to use us to reach other people. And it's not in our own strength. It's not in our own ability. But it's His ability and His empowering that enables us to, first of all, submit to Him and to be used of Him as a conduit to share the gospel. And the Holy Spirit and the Word are the ones that change the lives and stir the hearts. We're just to be obedient and share the message. So this morning, I, I want to invite you to stand with me and invite the Holy Spirit to fill us, to cleanse us, transform us, to invite Him to empower us with boldness so that we'll take this message, this gospel, this good news that has changed our lives and share it with our families and with our community. On November 4th, when we go into the community to do this service project, God is using us. He wants to work through us. He wants to empower us to be witnesses into this community. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we stand here together today, we just want to acknowledge that you are a good father. And your love never ends. You didn't leave us as orphans to try and figure out life on our own, to live by our own strength, our own abilities, but you sent us the Holy Spirit that cleanses us of all unrighteousness, that transforms our life, making us more like Christ so that we can share the good news that Jesus Christ is alive, that he shed his blood on a cross, covering my sins and buying back my salvation, and you've made us new. We're no longer the same people that we were before we accepted Christ. So now I just ask that you would empower us by your Holy Spirit Fill us now, oh God. Fill us with your boldness to speak the good news, to share the gospel, to just to live the, the life that reflects the goodness of Christ. Lord, we can't do that in our own abilities. So we place our dependence on you and we yield to you and we surrender to you. In Jesus' name. 
and for your glory we pray. Amen. This has been a message from Living Word Chapel. We hope that you've been blessed by it. Make sure you check out lwcoracle.org for more.